Okay, I think we are on, Mr. Vakula. Am I pronouncing that right? I, I, yes, I think, Vakula, okay. and thanks for having me. There was no countdown, but we're good to go. Oh, see, I, I had one. Oh. Uh. <laughs> Oh, I, did you mean that I would count down myself? Because, no, that's not what I meant. I, I meant there's a little thing on the bottom, um, on, at least on my side, where it has a little circle that fills up, and then and then it goes ding. Um, and the first couple times I did this, I, I was sort of obsessively looking at it. So if you see the first couple of these, I'm looking at it as it's going on, <laughs> which is really annoying to me because, um, as I've said before, I really, when I would watch them afterwards, I would be really irritated that I would see myself doing this all the time because it's just not, you know, it just doesn't look nice. So we have anyway, to keep our head up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and, and poor Buck, um, he was like this a lot and that a lot. And, and some of the times he was intentionally messing with it, but, um, but I, I felt kind of bad for him. Um, but, oh, okay, you've already thanked for, for being on, but thank you, sir, for, for coming on. Um, I know we had a bit of a, scheduling snafu, which is the second time I've done that. I am very, very bad, and I'm a bad person. Um, but I appreciate your patience with that, because uh, you could have just as easily said, like, well, fuck you. Go to hell. And take your dog with you, or whatever. Um, but you didn't. So, cool. We're doing this, and that's great. And as I always ask everybody, how the fuck are you? Uh-oh. You there? <laughs> Shit. All right, well, that's it, everybody. Um, yeah, I can't hear you now. Are you there? Okay. Um, I heard a little bleep. Yeah, I hear messing around. Oh, yeah. Oh. I'm, I'm here. Oh, excellent. Okay, okay. okay. Great, great. Okay. So keep going. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm doing well. I'm on break from working classes right now. I'm going back on Monday, back to normal sleeping schedule, and pretty intent. I've been playing a lot of Texas Hold'em, taking up a new hobby, and having a lot of fun. I'm still getting the routine tasks of life. I missed the last part of that. You said Texas Hold'em, and then something about teen passive life. <laughs> oh no, no, the routine tasks of life. Okay. Oh, shit. Well, it looks like we're having a little trouble, so we may have to sort of catch up to each other. This is weird, because we did not have this trouble uh, before, um, even before hitting broadcast. Well, anyway, uh, moving on. Um, yeah, this Texas Hold'em thing, um, shit, I've already forgotten. Is this poker? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> okay, so this is something that you're, like, doing semi-professionally, right, where you actually make money at it, and that's the goal? That, that's one of the goals, yes. Okay. But you're not going to eventually replace whatever day job stuff you have going with this, because I have heard of people doing that. I don't intend to. Okay. <laughs> Semi-professional okay. is a term that people use for in addition to their job, they make money off of it. So it's a game I really enjoy, and I can make some money. A lot different than if I were to play PlayStation 3 or World of Warcraft and not make money. So it's an added motivator incentive. That is a, uh, a fine point, actually, because I have known uh, people who do uh, World of Warcraft like pretty close to full-time hours in addition to their job. And um, okay, you know, th this is something that I wonder about myself sometimes. And you, you should tell me how you feel about this too. Um, as you mentioned it, I'm sure you know that World of Warcraft has been a huge franchise for God, like ten years now, I think. 
And I sat down and played it. Um, they had some, you know, download it for free and play for like two hours for free. Yeah, you get the free trial. Yeah, because I, I was curious because um, I heard so much about it and I like the company Blizzard, of course. They do Diablo and other stuff. And, um, and I played it and I really wasn't taken with it. And I'm not sure why that is. Um, I, I don't know that it's their fault. Uh, like, like, I'm not saying it's a bad game, but I just... I don't know. I, I was just kind of bored. And um, maybe because I didn't go any raids and I was just in the first, you know, little area where you just kind of figure stuff out. Um, but I, I wasn't taken with it visually. I wasn't taken with it um, mechanics-wise. And I really wondered what the fuck was wrong with me because clearly millions upon millions of people love this thing. Um, millions can't be wrong, right? No. I, you know, it's... <laughs> It's not that. Um, it's just when millions of people love something, there tends to be a reason for it, even if it isn't a great reason. And so that was sort of where I was going. And um, yeah. And and I, I I happened to I got into a bit of an argument last night on Twitter, which I won't bore you with, but um, because I'm curious and because I'm a stalker, um, I someone's going to take that clip and <laughs> and use it. Um, I looked up somebody, the, the person with whom I was arguing, and I and the YouTube channel was just chock full of like tons of work, uh, World of Warcraft stuff, and it was like, oh, these are the raids I go, and I I, I was kind of blown away honestly, um, because the amount of time that it would take to create the content that this person had uploaded is probably countless, countless hours, and um, I guess that's where my fascination comes, you know, because this that we're doing right now will take. Hour, hour ten, whatever it ends up taking, and that'll be it. You know, we're not going to be on here for ten straight hours today. So, um, yeah, I, I guess that's what fascinates me is it's when people are willing to do something that in a given day takes more than two hours, and as you said, they're not paid for it. Although, as you said, PS3 and I have definitely been known to uh, play games for hours on end. So, I guess I've defeated my own point, which. Is fun. Yeah, <laughs> I, I used to play World of Warcraft at a semi-hardcore level in top 100 U.S. guilds, and it was really interesting with the group dynamics, the competitiveness, the challenge of the game. But after a while, people got really nasty. There was a lot of drama and greed and hypocrisy. So eventually, I just um, left <laughs> the group that I was with and went on to other things. You know, I, that's interesting. I've wondered about this in general, not just... Um, with something like that, but I've also wondered this on Facebook. Um, I alluded to an experience I had, uh, last week I alluded to, to, alluded to it, um, that I had where people I knew and I got into some fisticuffs and um, I don't know, I'm not a sociologist and I don't know any really, uh, and maybe one that I'm planning on having on will be able to enlighten me, but what I don't understand is how the social fabric breaks down pretty immediately under some circumstances. Like, um, I don't know that about this, but maybe you do, because um, I don't drive, but I've heard my whole life, and I've observed this, that the social contract just completely disappears on the road in terms of the driver in the car that I'm in and in relationship to the other drivers. Like, another driver cuts us off, say, then this driver is like, you know, fuck you or whatever. But if it were person to person, like just on the street walking, that wouldn't happen ever. Um, and I, I wonder what's the distance that it takes or the sense of barrier that it takes before social rules fly out the window. And I don't have an answer to that, but 
I find it really fascinating because, like I said, that the argument I got on last night on Twitter, um, as kind of like how I alluded to some stuff um, when we talked earlier, where I started it just by asking a question. It was about ableism, and I was like, "Well, what's ableist about this?" And that's something I know about it for obvious reasons. So I wanted to know, and I think that the person kind of assumed certain things about me. And granted, I assumed a couple of things about that situation that I was uh, jumping into. But what was interesting to me was within only a couple of exchanges, it got kind of nasty. And this person dropped an F-bomb with me. And I, and I was like, well, an F-bomb doesn't make an argument. Like, you're just like you're just, just swearing now. Like, big deal. It hasn't proven anything. Um, but it was fascinating to me. You know, it was like it seemed like it could have gone through an educational conversation. Um, and maybe that wasn't the person's goal. And, you know, I have to grant that. Like, that's not their responsibility. But... It, it was interesting to me that it the way it went was the way it went, and it didn't have to go that way. And I don't think I said anything particularly offensive, but it went that way anyway. And I've really wondered about this stuff lately. It just it seems to be social stuff breaks down pretty immediately, and then people are just jerks to each other, Twitter, Facebook, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and, or or as you said, World of Warcraft. So I don't know. I I don't know what you think about that or feel about that, but. I don't know. I yeah, well, um, I, I think that many of these people start out with good intentions, but yeah. over time it just becomes poisoned and they become nasty, and there are these memes that are really opposed to skepticism. The skeptic should be willing to entertain challenges to their beliefs and actually educate others and not go around being jerks to people. So many of these people on Twitter, they say, oh, the world is nasty, everybody's mean to me, and it just becomes a self-filling prophecy because they treat everyone really, really terribly, and instead of taking a moment to try to educate someone or inform someone about a different viewpoint, they just assume things about you. They say, check your privilege, and you, you just can't know because you didn't have X long experiences, but they, they really know nothing about you. They make the assumptions, and you are dismissed from the conversation because of you, not because the idea is at hand and hardly discussed. It's about shaming and blaming and making people, or trying to make people feel guilty, and it's really sad. Now, I... You just said a term that I still have yet to fully understand. Do you think that you have an understanding of the term check your privilege? Because I don't really get what that's supposed to mean. I think it's supposed to mean that if you enter a conversation, you're supposed to acknowledge out loud the privileges that you enjoy, but I'm not really sure about that. And what bothers me is I feel like I should be sure by this point, but I I don't know. Um, So what do you think? Yeah, so in these assumptions, they're the people who say that assume that your experiences are very much unlike theirs, and since you haven't had experiences, you can't understand what it is to have their experiences or to live their life. But again, there's that assumption that you haven't had those experiences, and it's it's really not warranted in many cases. They should check their privilege and actually ask you some questions or right. talk about the ideas. Again, it's it's not so much about the person; it's about the ideas at hand. For instance, some people um, they they go on Twitter and they say that they're cyber stalked and cyber bullied, and they have post traumatic stress disorder from Twitter or post Twitter well, yes. stress disorder or something. <laughs> but but anyway, people have told me that when I talk about this and say these people are trolling, it's not bull- It's not cyberbullying, it's not harassment. They tell me, well, check your privilege. Well, little do they know that in real life, um, after secular activism, I received a lot of backlash from people in real life. Yeah. Um, and I, I know what it's like to receive backlash. 
and I understand that when people say things to me like, oh, you're just fat, or you're a virgin, or you're, you know, in your mom's basement, or whatever, you know, they're, they're just saying things to get under my skin, because they right. don't like me. They're not, they're, they don't hate me because I'm overweight. They don't hate me because of X, Y, or Z. They're just saying things to get under my skin, because they don't like me. That's, that's really what it's about. Um, you know, and, what's interesting about that was, um, I don't know if you had this experience, but when I was in high school, um, the culture had not shifted to where it is now around um, gay issues, and this is Oregon, and um, Oregon is left-leaning, generally speaking, but there's pockets, lots of them, where uh, things tend to be pretty homophobic, at least in terms of what most people think of that word. And I remember um, a few occasions when people would either say to me, oh, you're gay, or they drop the F-bomb, or some something around those lines. And I remember being kind of fascinated by that at the time, because even though we all probably have some period of questioning when we're in our youth, you know, just we're, we're not sure which way we're going to go, or, or maybe we do, you know, I, I know that it can be a questioning period. I was pretty sure I liked girls, and <laughs> I, um, I remember thinking, like, well, like let's let's pretend this is true. I'm gay. What what has now been established? I'm gay. Like that's the end of the conversation. You you just called me gay. I confirm. That's it. But that's not the case. The case is is that I'm not gay. And so I remember just thinking like, well, that's not true. So I don't like I don't care that you say that about me because it's not true. It just it, it, this is a non-starter. It doesn't matter. And I have since observed. Um, the thing that pops into my head was uh, I was at one of those um, Halloween walkthrough things at Knott's Berry Farm, I think it was, and I saw some young men. They're probably around 17, and um, this may sound like a stereotype, and for that I apologize. But they're they're Latino, and they were doing this sort of challenge to each other. Um, I didn't hear the whole conversation. I heard I I kind of started paying attention most of the way through, but they they were doing that whole well I'm not gay you're gay no you're gay and I thought. Wow, like it's still happening. It's 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 a concern to these guys enough that they not be perceived as gay, that they feel necessary to deflect that strongly. And all of them were doing this. And I kind of felt like saying, Okay, how about this guy's you're all gay? <laughs> let's, just, let's just level the playing field. And the funny thing is, um, at least one of them, my gaydar is pretty bad, but I, I've gotten it right maybe twice in my life. And I thought, you know. Probably one of them is, and just statistically speaking, and he's terrified that the other guys will find out. And so I'm not saying he's saying it the most, uh, the least. I don't know. I don't have that information. But generally speaking, I, I've had this conversation with a friend of mine. Generally speaking, straight men, especially adult straight men, just don't care, you know, the ones who squawk about it constantly are the ones who care, and there's usually a reason, um, because either they are or someone who's close to them is, and so it's a defense mechanism. And so I was thinking, you know, probably one of these guys is, and he's terrified, and that's too bad, that sucks, and the rest of them aren't, but they're terrified that everyone will think they are, and it's this sort of, like, layer upon layer of social weirdness, all existing purely because of fear based on really nothing at all. You know, we now know enough about the gay community that they're not all pedophiles, they don't all come into your house and redecorate. Like, all of their stereotypes <laughs> have largely been dispelled. You know, most people don't assume those things anymore. So, 
Yeah, I was just, I was like, I was really taken with that, and I was taken with my earlier experience, and it was like, wow, it kind of on some level doesn't matter what's true. What matters is, and, and back to your point, what you said about hurting, it's like I think that the intention when I was in high school was to hurt me, but because I knew that I wasn't gay, it was like, okay, well, that doesn't hurt me because it, it's, it's, um, it's relevant to me. You know, if you're going to call me something, call me ugly because I am concerned about that, you know, because that will directly lead to, like, <laughs> like whether girls sleep with me, that sort of thing. <laughs> um, so, I, yeah, I, I find it interesting, as you said, that, that people seem to often attack in order to hurt when it could just be uh, heated, possibly, but just discourse. Um, yeah, and you said um, it doesn't really bother adults, and that, that's what happens. People are more mature. They're not really so much faced by it because they understand that there are people in the world who don't love those things. We as adults have to deal with bullying. Oh, man, you're, you're breaking up. <laughs> oh, this is too bad. Yeah, you, you, you came in, you, you started a little bit okay, but then you broke up a lot. Um, well, what doesn't make sense to me, people and who complain about people and write about the people and continue to talk about the people and it's just mocking them and moving on, they just continue and engaging with them on Twitter and getting mad when they engage them, even though they hated conversations. Well, the good news is I got about half of that. Um, but yes, I yeah. Um, I'm going to try an experiment here, Justin. I, I apologize to you and to everyone else who will be watching this later. I'm wondering if bandwidth restriction will help. So I'm going to turn off my camera for a little bit and see if that helps at all. Um, we'll just see how this works. Um, I'm sorry, so uh, since we lost some of that, I'm just going to go ahead and move on to the next thing. I apologize for that. Um, um, you, oh, I, I wanted to really ask you about, um, I, I don't really have a specific question, unfortunately, but I, I am very curious about your activism experience. You said you had had uh, backlash, and I don't want to just know about that, but I want to know generally how you got involved with activism and just sort of the highlights, like what, what you enjoyed about it, uh, what your goals were, because um, when I was younger than you, I got involved in it, but not nearly to the degree that you have. And I'm thinking specifically about that banner thing that you put up, and also specifically about, uh, pardon me for losing the details, I've, I've paid sporadic attention over the months, um, the, the bit where you went to the council and tried to get, you know, the, the prayer removed from the, the proceedings. So, including those experiences, I'm just curious about how you got involved, why you got involved, like what, what drove you, just basically anything you'd like to talk about on those grounds. Well, that's good, because many of these things are interrelated. Well, I, I initially started with secular activism upon realizing I was an atheist. Throughout um, my younger years, I had been raised in the Roman Catholic tradition, I and I never <laughs> critically analyzed the beliefs that I held, but upon reaching college age, I had taken some philosophy classes and started to question. So what I, what I thought was important was, are my beliefs true, or are there reasons right. to believe these things, believe in the Christian gods? So at a Catholic college, it was a pretty good place to be at the time. 
where I was able to ask questions, talk with ministers on campus, theologians, students, engage in extracurricular events, campus ministry events, things like that. Actually, I came to the conclusion that my beliefs were unjustified. I found right. it very important to identify as an atheist. I see the harm of religions. Everyone really can. So I started about it and reading some literature, getting involved with some organizations like the Secular Student Alliance. One of the first things I tried to do was get a Secular Student Alliance at my college. And that was eventually denied, as it was oh, stated against the mission statement of King's College. And following that, I had contacted ACLU regarding a courthouse nativity display that was prominently displayed on a corner of flings lights from Menorah way off to the side. So we contacted the courthouse, the nativity scene was taken down, and I received a tremendous amount of backlash from local religious folk. Wow. And at that point, I, I was thinking, well, yeah, there, there is a problem with religious belief, there is a problem with separation of church and state, and the backlash really validated all of that. Uh, most prominently, I was called the third most hated person in Luzerne County by a radio show host. And Wait, curious, you didn't even make The third, yes, yes, yes. Number one and two <laughs> were judges who were involved in a national scandal sending kids to juvenile detention centers for kickbacks. So oh, I think I remember that, actually. Yeah, the Kingsburg cash scandal. So the mentality, I think, is pretty clear there, that I'm right up there with sending kids to juvenile detention center to make money, right, of uh, felonies. That's really uh, so funny. It happened. <laughs> I got involved in a lot more activism in the meantime. Um, and you talk about the banner, so I guess we can move to that. Well, there was an event on... Public Square in Wolfsbury called the National Day of Prayer. There was a event there where people surrounded where they called Circle the Prayer with Square or Circle the Square of Prayer. I went there and talked to many of the religious folk. I was there for about six to seven hours talking about church and state, talking about religious belief, arguments against it, and a very cordial, friendly discussion. And in response to that, I contacted our religion foundation, and we put up a banner in response to their banner that said, nothing fails like prayer. So for a month or two, there was a account meeting in Wilkes-Barre where someone objected to the banner being placed on public square. And the mayor of Wilkes-Barre said that it was fortunate that the banner was placed there, and it was unfortunate that we live in a country where people can share their ideas, essentially what he said. I, I can get the exact quote here. Maybe I could have had that prepared. So I saw the newspaper article. I saw the mayor quoted. I actually found a YouTube video of the comment. And the, it, was, it was stated that there was a prayer that was at the beginning of the council meetings. And the person said, well, how is it that we can have a banner in public square that said nothing fails like prayer if prayer at the beginning of council meetings? I said, oh, that's interesting. I started in council meetings. <laughs> and <laughs> I objected to prayer on the ground that it was unnecessary, exclusionary, and divisive, saying that uh, you, you shouldn't have government-led prayer, as that's what it was. They sponsored the message. There was a council woman who gave the invocation at the beginning of each meeting. It was a Judeo-Christian prayer, Father in Heaven, all wow. that kind of stuff. So I, I asked them if they could 
room for prayer, and they didn't like that. So they, they didn't. I spoke to the mayor who made that unfortunate comment, and he oh, didn't want to talk about it. Oh, I remember the comment. Which, which he, was the comment? He said, he said I took him out of context. Oh. Uh, yeah, he, he said it was unfortunate that we live in a country where people can share their opinions. Um, where is it? I'm, I'm pulling it up here. Right. Yeah, here, here's a... Um, Here's a quote from a newspaper article. It says, James Gallagher wanted to know about the legality of putting a banner that read, Nothing Fails Like Prayer, on display on public square. Gallagher, who often addresses council, said he supports free speech, but the banner is a shot at Christian and Catholic religions, he said. He suggested that it be taken down. It's not good character to have that flying in our downtown, especially when we start off council meeting by having a prayer, Gallagher said. The mayor responded by telling Gallagher that people of faith such as him, Gallagher and Council shouldn't let it offend them. Quote, we live in a free country. Unfortunately, everybody has the rights to say whatever they want to say, the mayor said. Right. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, we live in a free country. Unfortunately, everyone has the rights to whatever they want to say, right? I mean, I, uh, it's I, I suspect he was being somewhat sarcastic, but I, yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I, yeah, it's... You know, what, what's funny to me is that um, you were able to find out about that because they just said it. They said that there was a prayer. And, and it's like, why would you advertise that? It, it, I mean, if I were them, I would keep that part quiet because one of the, the arguments I have heard from the religious side over the many, many things like this that go down is, well, no one complained before, which yeah, obviously... Yeah, and that's is, what they had to say. Right, yeah, which, which is obviously not a valid uh, defense, but still... Usually that's what it said, and I'm a little surprised. They're like, "Oh, by the way, we do this." <laughs> it's like, well, you're kind of just inviting someone like this little Fakula punk to come along and, and challenge <laughs> it. Um, you know, it's interesting your experience with that because I actually had a very similar experience, which I won't uh, go into detail on because I've done that before and it's kind of boring, I'm sure, um, in terms of the whole going to college and asking yourself whether your beliefs are justified, but. Um, the term that I took, um, which I, I'm kind of ashamed to admit, is I kind of went into this pissy, um, blogs didn't exist yet, but it, it, as if there were blogs, pissy blogging mode. And I guess what I mean by that is I would kind of jump into conversations with people and like kind of get in their face and like, why do you do this and why do you think that? And and um, I spent a lot of time being frustrated by what you just mentioned, those kinds of things, but I didn't actually do anything about it. <laughs> and I find it interesting, like, there was really nothing stopping me from doing something about it, from going to a courthouse or, or to a, um, a council meeting and saying, hey, by the way, I noticed you do this, and I have an objection, let's talk about it. I would just kind of be pissy about it. And I, I wonder how it is that you made the logical step, the mental leap to go, Hey, why don't I do something about this? And I didn't. I suggest it might have been maturity on my part, but um, I, I'm impressed that um, that you did take that initiative because that's not something that I took until a couple of years later when I was in grad school. But even then, um, I didn't do what you did. But the most that I can remember was with a local group here. I did this. Um, I don't remember what they called it. It was something like apple pie for Fourth of July, and we stood outside of um, the building where we met at, and we handed these, you know, basically hostess apple pies um, out to people with a little 
little flyer basically, you know, saying, oh, you know, under God wasn't always in the play, that sort of thing. And we just handed them to people. And I think it was largely ineffective, partially because it was us doing it and not a bunch of supermodels. Um, two, that it was not in a high traffic area of LA. And so really there weren't that many people coming by. And so it was kind of, in my opinion, a bit of mental masturbation. We're just we're sort of telling each other this because no one else is engaging. And the few people who did engage, they probably just ate the pie and threw the other thing away, you know, because it probably seemed just like what churches do. And so to hear you say, like, oh, I went to this council and I talked to them about it and they said they'd vote on it and the mayor made a statement. I'm like, yeah, I, I handed out apple pies. <laughs> well, I, I think it's good that you, you got involved. It's tough for many people to get involved because their name gets attached to it, and if they have a job or they're part of a business, they fear retribution that can happen. Yeah, no, That's one barrier right there, and it takes a lot of courage to come out, I think, and make a public stand because the backlash can occur. And it's also not for everyone. I, I don't think yeah. on-the-street activism is for everyone. You, you want to first do it right. You want to have the information. For someone just getting involved in the community, I wouldn't recommend that they be front and center on issues. You know, Step back, learn from others. Yeah. But you also have to get started somewhere. So you have to get the experience, uh, maybe working with your local group, maybe getting a local group involved with the issue. It, it could be... It could be a lot, but once yeah, I, no, I first went in public and continued, I, I realized, okay, these issues are pretty important, and there yeah. are other local issues that popped up in the area. that You can't always do activism. There has to be yeah. an issue to respond to, <laughs> exactly. unless you're just advertising an organization or something, right. which, which I've done before. But people say, well, you know, why haven't you been doing X, Y, or Z? Well, I guess if, if there's no problem or there are no violations, then that's that's a good thing. Maybe the, the goal of the secular atheist movement is that it need not exist anymore. Right? Yeah. Is <laughs> yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I think that's actually a, a fair point. Um, and as, as we discussed earlier, I, I, I have been asked several times by people over the years, like, well, isn't your goal to not have a goal anymore? And I was like, I suppose that's true. I mean... I kind of think still, though, that um, even if the large issues were taken care of, which I suspect will take quite a while to have happen, there would still be some social stuff that needs to be dealt with. I, I think that people who don't believe will still need some kind of place, and I'm not talking in terms of safe spaces or any of that bullshit, but until there is 100% acceptance, kind of like there is in Europe, um, I think that non-believers will feel the need to have meetings or groups or whatever the expression happens to be, um, even if the major legal issues are taken care of. Because, I don't know about you, but um, just a casual observance of online activity, I see that um, the religious have a vast, vast monopoly on everything, and I understand why. I'm not resentful of it, but as long as that's true, I will feel some need to uh, to express myself and, and encourage others to express themselves. Um, excuse me, and I, I think that's the finish of my sentence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, communities are pretty important, and obviously the religious groups have been around much longer than 
the secular atheist or skeptic groups. So there, there's a lot more work to be done. There's more community building to do, yeah. and unfortunately, the community is plagued by a lot of infighting, nastiness, negativity, and a lot of other drama, which is why I'm taking a bit of a break from it. Yes, it's, it's tiring after a while, but I, 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 I don't blame hope. you. And as as we, we discussed have before, um, I I have had just a taste of the drama, and I was like, this is bullshit. I'm out of here. And you've seems like had a bit of a twelve course meal of drama, and so for oh you, yes, uh, for um, speak, speaking out against <laughs> particular approaches to feminism has um, had me receiving much more backlash than I ever received from religious individuals. Yeah, I, which is really and unexpected. Yeah, no, I um. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was go just going to say, um, I, 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 had I not known that, I would never have guessed it. You know. When I first got involved with this stuff, when I was pretty young, um, I was expecting wall-to-wall Westboro Baptist Church craziness. And in my young mind, I was kind of looking forward to it because in some ways I kind of get off on conflict and and confrontation. And so I was like, yeah, let's do this. And then years and years later when um, it wasn't just the feminist question, but it it was some other stuff too, I thought... Wow, it's like we are our own worst enemies, and um, I was really kind of blown away by that because I I know some people have spoken of being allies. I think Silverman has said that, and ultimately I I do side with that. But um, I've definitely had times where I've looked at my screen, and not necessarily stuff about me, but um, just stuff going on, and I'm like, God damn, you guys! Like, can't we please get our shit together? And I'm not even saying, like, we should all agree all the time on everything. We should all love each other and that sort of thing. I mean, there are people that I am not fans of out there. But I was a little taken aback over the last few years by, given the stated goal that we all seem to have, everything in terms of the drama that you're alluding to um, seemed completely counter to that. And I was a little surprised that the overall goal was not trumping that goal, and I'm a little disappointed by that, but as you said, it's like, you know, I was like, well, I'm not willing to spend every day of my life getting involved in this, even really an hour of every day, so I'm just going to bow out and not contribute to this, because I'm not contributing anything, frankly, and and also, I'm not helping resolve this issue, so rather than make it worse, I'm going to duck out. Sorry, go ahead. I, I think a huge distinction is that the people involved in the drama, the people who um, are perpetuating the negativity, refuse to have the conversations. It's very much unlike debates and discussions that I've had with religious people. What, yeah. Most recently, in November of 2013, I had an open discussion with pastor of Restored Church from Wilkesbury, Pennsylvania, inside his church. And we yeah, had, I saw I think that. About oh, I saw some of that. <laughs> 200 people show up. It was a very friendly discussion where Pastor Dan said, yeah, I'm, I'm willing to chat. That's That's no problem. But when yeah. it, it comes to many of these um, people online in the drama, they're absolutely unwilling to have a discussion. They're absolutely unwilling to challenge their beliefs. Even the organization Secular Woman has gone on the record saying that feminism is not up for debate in their organization, that they they have no desire to show respect or entertain the viewpoints of individuals who disagree with them. I mean, how, how much more dogmatic you know, can you possibly get? I want to get back to the pastor thing because I actually have a, I have a bit of a bone to pick with you, but um, sure, sure. Let's let's talk about that for a second because now the, 
I'm going to try to not shoot anybody, and I know I say that all the time, so so I, I apologize for repeating myself, but I, I, I will try not to do it this time, but I, I, I do have a concern what you just brought up. Now, as I've discussed before with you and other people, um, there are places out there on the Internet where the initial intent, I think, is great, and then, in my opinion, it kind of jumps off the deep end and, and gets to craziness, and... Secular Woman is an example of that because when I first heard about it, I thought this is fantastic. I, I love that it has the name. I love that it has a board of directors. I love that they have these goals. I love that they're doing this stuff. I thought it was fantastic. I really did. And then I didn't pay attention to it for a while because I figured like they don't they don't need my approval, you know. <laughs> they, can, they can do what they do without Anton, you know, butting in. Um, and I think like I posted about them a couple times. I think I may have shared links, you know, that sort of stuff. And then um, one day I actually, um, I, I think there was some petition going around, um, or no, that's not the right word. There's some thing going around um, with people, um, not claiming, oh, sorry, I'm losing it, um, um, basically agreeing to, to be nice to each other, something like that. I'm, I'm oversimplifying. And I heard news that they had refused to sign this, and I thought, oh, that's interesting. I, and my assumption was, and here it is, my assumption was positive. My assumption was there must have been something wrong with this thing, because why would they publicly refuse to, to sign it? And I went and looked on their site, and I had not heard of their mission yet, which is weird, because I'd already looked at the site. I just must have missed it. And I read it, and I had that reaction that you that you just spoke of. I was like, wait, we're not talking about this? That seems That seems counter to the scientific method, because... Many of the complaints that I have heard um, from some in feminist circles has been, or have been, um, we used to say X about feminism or about women or about sexuality or whatever, but we were wrong, and we had to revise what we were saying about it because new information came along, new studies came along, so, you know, we, we, it's constantly evolving. And I thought, doesn't that also apply to feminist thought and related thoughts? Because... Certainly, I think any self-identified feminist would grant that feminism itself has changed over many, many decades, and that's good. I mean, it, it presumably has moved forward um, towards better understanding and whatever else. And so to see this, this blanket statement of, we're not talking about this anymore, I thought, but that presumes that you have the answer on this, and not only do you not have the only opinion on this, you don't have the, I mean, you, you by definition don't have the answer because we're constantly, you know, rechecking this stuff. And I have to say that was a huge turnoff to me. Um, from that point yeah. on, I, I just stopped paying attention to them because I thought if this is going to be, because, for example, say that you're someone like me who doesn't know a lot about modern feminist thought and you just want to know what's going on. What if you say to one of those uh, board members, hey, I'm curious about this. When you say this in your statement, is this what you mean? I suspect the attitude that is being publicly displayed would lead to what you told me about recently, jacking off. And yes, that's what they say, just asking questions. Um, yeah, yeah. Yes. And, and the thing is, as a white male heterosexual, I, I acknowledge that there is a lot about which I don't have any direct experience. I appreciate that. I acknowledge that. And on occasion, I would like to dispel my ignorance about certain things. And so I have, at times, asked questions. And I really was just saying, I, it, I can see how it might have been perceived <laughs> that I had an agenda, because there are some things I don't agree with out there. But most of the time, I really just want to know, because I feel like I don't know, and I don't like not knowing things. 
So, yeah, when, when I saw that, I was, I was pretty turned off, and I thought, you know, I'm not going to go on a, an anti-secular woman campaign. That's ridiculous. But I thought, I'm just not going to pay attention to this anymore. And, you know, I'm sure they don't care. They're not sitting at home going, oh, man, that Anton guy, he doesn't pay attention to us. But um, I thought it was unfortunate because, you know, I'm a potential ally. I, and, and if you multiply me by 10,000, that's 10,000 potential allies who could help and who could uh, um, promote and who could engage. And you're cutting all of those people out for really not a very good reason. So, yeah, I'm just... Yeah, they're, they're <sighs> behaving very much like fundamentalist religious folk. And, and here in the same statement, they say, we have no desire to listen to, respect, or continually, continuously debunk overtly sexist viewpoints. Yeah. So, so they're, they're casting it as you either agree with us or you are a sexist or a homophobe or, you know, the other things that they mention right. in their in their piece. But there, there, are, there are many different approaches to feminism and gender yeah. issues. I mean, what about feminists who say that um, sex work is exploitative to women? What about feminists who say that sex work is fine for women if they want to get involved in it and they do it of their own volition? There are so many disagreements and so many different approaches to feminism and they're just acting like they have the one approach. They have the gospel. Yeah. So our yeah, approach and is the approach, and everyone else just isn't a real feminist, and everyone else is a sexist, and it, it's it's just um, not very good for discussion. You, you said you had a bone to pick about the, the pastor discussion. I, I do. Now, there's yes. a little, there's a little um, and I, I turn my camera on, uh, again because I wanted to see if this will work, but we'll see, because um, I, I noticed that the bandwidth did improve. I don't know if this is a correlation without causation, though, so... <laughs> <laughs> well, see, I, I feel like I heard you better. Um, yeah, okay, so a little background is necessary. So I, I, I didn't know that you were doing the, the discussion with this pastor before you did it. I just happened to see it on YouTube. I watched a bit, and I, I, I thought you guys did well. Um, the bone is um, the question of morality came up, and I, I have sort of been waiting to, to share this, um, not for any good reason, just an opportunity. Um, and tell me what you think of this, because I, I don't really have it fully formed, but I'm actually now pretty convinced that morality is, doesn't exist. Um, or rather, I am unconvinced that it does exist, because most claims I've heard about morality from both the religious side and the non-believing side, I find ultimately to be bunk. And thus I find any conversation about morality and its implications also bunk. Now not not like it's it shouldn't be discussed but that the conclusions that I have heard from people to me don't seem to to play out. Now here's a very juvenile example that I am thinking of. Basically we all agree that killing people is wrong. That is a cultural taboo. It is written into the law. It is something that if you were to ask the average person on the street, I think everyone agrees. So we can probably say that that is a binary rule in our society that you cannot break. Except if you're in war. And except if it's a black kid who's in front of you who happens to be wearing a sweatshirt and you can't really tell what he's doing. Except, see where I'm going? Like We tell ourselves that there's this rule that you cannot break period, except for all the times that you can. And that, to me, shows me that, one, it's not binary. That's bullshit. Um, and two, that if I can use a linguistic model, which I do because that's what I'm into, you can say some things that sometimes, according to some grammar rules, except when you can't. 
And the difference that I see is that in language, we recognize that it changes and evolves over time, and we just sort of deal with that. You know, it's not, it's sort of a given. But in morality, I feel like people constantly try to set up these posts where they're like, well, this, this is what it is. And then we get into really semantic discussions about what it is because we've all set up these posts, and suddenly there's conflict among that. And when I hear, now, now I'm getting into this sort of the media, when I hear people say, where do atheists get their morality, it sounds to my ears kind of like what happened before the Big Bang. Because it's like, well, that does, that's an irrelevant question because according to the physics that we know and according to the society that we engage in, there is no before the Big Bang. That presumes that there was a big, because time started with the bang. There is no atheist getting morality because there is no morality to get. Now, before I get to you to, to talk about this, I'm not saying anyone's going to agree with me, but just given the very brief thing that I, I gave, what I think is going on is, if this makes sense, there are spheres of influence, if, like if you can imagine a Venn diagram, and Within those spheres, things kind of flow depending on many different uh, variables. Within that system, we could maybe call that morality, but I don't think it works the way that we all say that it works. We, you know, I just listed all those exceptions. Sure. So there's a there's this sphere of no killing, but that intersects with this sphere of justice and this sphere of your life is in danger and this sphere. So. I'm starting to actually not like the way people talk about morality because I think it's completely useless and irrelevant and I frankly think someone needs to convince me that morality as we discussed it even exists. Now, so there's that and I'd love to have a comment on that in a second. Now the bone to pick is, um, and pardon me that I, I don't remember the words exactly, but the pastor said to you basically where do we get morality? And I kind of feel like you floundered there a little bit. I feel like you you start. I, I feel like first you didn't really have a position. I'm really sorry. I don't remember this very well. You can help me out. I feel like you didn't really have a position clearly that you were describing, and that you didn't. You didn't. I think you were basically like, well, what's morality? Um, look over there. And I, 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 what I remember clearly though was feeling disappointed because I felt like you had a golden opportunity to say to him very simply, well, first of all we all need to decide on a definition of morality, but even granted that, I would need to be persuaded that morality is granted from an external force rather than internally decided. And that may not even be the best phrasing, of course, that's just out of the top of my head right now. But I feel like the question was kind of dropped in a way. Um, and that's the bone, is, is I think you had a golden opportunity and I feel like you missed it a little bit. Um, and now that I've attacked you, go ahead and... <laughs> Oh, and, uh, not not an not an attack. No, no, not an attack. But the the discussion I think was really good in that we were able to tackle many different topics. Prior to that, I had a debate. It was does the Christian God exist with a different pastor, Pastor Michael okay. Brewster. And during the question and answer session, there were many questions that were unrelated to the debate. It was, you know, what right. do you think about morality? What do you think about meaning of life? And what was your background, and blah, blah, blah. And I was happy to answer the questions, although Pastor Brewster said that this isn't relevant to the debate. And I agreed with him, although I was still happy to answer the questions. So this time around, we decided to do more of an open discussion and right. entertain all sorts of topics. So morality eventually came up. 
and I was talking about different approaches to morality, but the approach that the religious typically take, or that Pastor Dan in this case did, was that there's objective morality. Right. And this objective morality comes from God. And that we had the discussion about what I think about morality and different approaches to morality. And one thing I mentioned was, well, just because we, we seem to have these do moral duties doesn't necessarily mean that it, it comes from God, because if it did, then it could be very arbitrary is one typical objection, which is that the euthyphro dilemma that we talk about that is, is something just because God right. condones it or something just because it is condoned by God. So you have all these objections, and of course you have many problems with the Bible and religious teachings, it's it's a tough topic. I, I right. won't say there's objective morality, and even if there is objective morality, I don't see how God suddenly comes into the picture because we can have other explanations for that. Right, of course, yeah. Yeah, I, I and and this is where I, I'm feeling a bit foolish that um that I don't remember exactly what went down. I just remember I remember kind of having the desire to be in that discussion and say, well, okay, yes, this is what he's saying, but <laughs> But here's what I have to say about this, because this, but now, of course, um, any possible objections I might have are, are largely moot, because as I said, I don't remember, I just, I guess I, I have wanted to have a moral discussion in general terms with anyone who'd be willing to have it, because as I said, I'm just, I'm becoming increasingly unconvinced that there is such a thing, because I, I have heard um, people say like, oh, are you a moral relativist, and and generally speaking, I have agreed with that, but then I'm like, well, I don't think that's true either, because I tend to act as if there are certain things that are set. Um, although I have challenged myself a few times. Like I remember thinking, like, at what point do I think that abortion is killing a child, if I do? And I found, to my surprise, that the closer to an actual birth, the more likely I was to think it was killing in the traditional sense. And I thought, oh, interesting. So where is my cutoff point? And I didn't have an answer for myself. I, I was like, well, is it eight and a half months? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. The, the issues are pretty difficult, and I think the right way to approach the issues is to have the open discussion instead of just saying, well, the Bible says so or a religious teaching says so. You want to explain why this is the decision or why we should behave in this way or why we shouldn't behave in this way. And it's, it's really complicated, and we've had a lot of progress um, yeah. in recent years, recent decades, century, recent decades. Anyway, um, we've had progress over the years, and there have been significant departure from religious approaches to morality, and even within religions, the yeah. morality has changed. Uh, how, many, how many Catholics out there are using contraceptives, yeah. for instance? Um, right? <laughs> you know, when, the, when the Catholic Church says that this, this is not the way to go, we have about 99% of Catholics disagreeing with the Vatican on this matter. I, I actually feel that um, Catholicism nowadays is largely cultural um, because I don't think I can name a single Catholic whom I've met or even been mildly uh, knowledgeable of, except for that guy who always goes on Fox News, I don't remember his name, but um, except for him, I feel like most Catholics I've ever encountered do the dance, but they don't drink the punch, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Um, and even my my godmother who uh, who died over the summer she she and my godfather were talking in the emails surrounding the sickness um, like oh God will do this heaven blah 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 um, and I don't I don't mean to dismiss their experience but 
I'm not convinced that they literally thought that St. Peter would literally be welcoming her. And li I just I don't think that's the case. I think that they are so used to that vocabulary and that narrative that they spoke in that world, but I really don't think that that's what was going on. Um, even though they, they had a friar attending, they, she had a traditional Catholic funeral, apparently I wasn't able to make it. I, I, think, <laughs> it was, I think it was all cultural trappings. Um, and I think on some level it wasn't too different from if I were to go to a Star Trek convention. Like, we all know that Star Trek doesn't exist, and yet we put on uniforms, we talk to the actors about their favorite episodes. We buy and sell little trinkets. We act on some level as if it were meritorious of our attention being real, but we all know that it isn't. And I, I kind of feel like a lot of religions act that way now, specifically Catholicism, but um, probably some other ones. Um, so to hear you say that, it doesn't really surprise me at all anymore. Um, in fact, I would go so far as to say I, I bet that everyone who gathers in St. Peter's Square in Rome while the Pope is talking are listening to the Pope and they're nodding to what he says, but the second they leave that square, I don't think they give a shit. Um, and I don't even think they think about whether they give a shit. I think it's just like, oh, well, that's what the Pope said, and I'm going to go and you know have whatever I'm going to eat and say whatever I'm going to say and, and just not be concerned with it. And... Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I'm, I'm rambling. Yeah, it, it, would, it would be interesting too. You say is how many people are really listening um, in in psychology, health psychology. There are many who leave a doctor's office and they cannot recall what their doctor said or what yeah. directions they were given for medications or whatever the case would be. It'd be interesting to sta stand outside of a, a church and survey people and say, "What what were some of the things the pastor said in the homily?" or "What what what was the message here?" Uh, see how many people really. You know, um, I, I didn't intend to uh, to jump down this road, but this just uh, leapt into my head. I don't know how you feel about this, but um. I've been really intrigued lately with um, the notion of even sermons, because as I understand from uh, born-again Christians, once you are born again, you're saved. Like, you know, that's, right. that's the end of that. And yet, I've heard so many of them talk about going to church, and I'm like, but you're saved. Like, why is there any need? I mean, uh, first of all, what, what could the pastor say, really, that you either couldn't arrive at on your own, or that you couldn't find on your own. I just, I, I don't really understand, because as I understand the Catholic model, you aren't saved in the same way. Like, you, you got to keep doing it, and you got to go to confession and, and receive the sacraments and all that. Like, there's, it's an ongoing process. But if, if in, the, in the model of Protestantism, once you're saved, you're saved, like, why would you ever go to church again? And, and I've heard yeah. some people say, Oh, to hear the word, but it's like right. But you've already been saved, so why is it necessary to hear the word? And and okay, fine. Like let, hearing the word, then just open your Bible and read it. Like I, I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, to to glorify God, I suppose they would say, or to recruit other people, or oh, strengthen their own beliefs. Yeah, or, I, as you said, yeah. just have the community experience. Right? Oh no, I, I mean, I'm not trying to, to claim that there are no benefits at all. I just within the system, I don't get the purpose of it. Um, but no, you're right. Like to 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 um, strengthen one's belief, and but then I I, I think you uh, posted this on Facebook. Um, I know other people have. There's that there's that thing going around the little graph of like it was like 30 percent of young people are leaving the religions due to the gay issue and um, I actually am very curious as to what's going to happen in the next few years because um, I recently became um, 
knowledgeable of this guy in Orange County out here um, who is still preaching anti-gay stuff, and that's fine. Like, I, I don't have any direct objection to that other than the obvious, but one of the videos that I saw him do, he basically said other liberal pastors are saying this, it doesn't matter anymore, but we're not, you know, basically we're not budging on this. And to some degree, I had to kind of respect that. I was like, okay, so you're, you're sticking by your guns on this one issue. Um, you probably have some rationalization for it. But I really wondered from a practical perspective, what's he going to do in five years, in ten years, when he's losing more and more people, which will probably inevitably happen? Like, how is he going to maintain that? Is he going to end up being the only person in the church at some point but right, you know? Because the fact is, socialization shifts over time. We've you know seen that countless examples, and as we as you and I know, you know if you don't adapt, you you perish. And so I wonder if he really is going to stick by his guns and really have the courage of his convictions when eventually the younger generations start to reject more and more. Because like I said, like, does he really want to be talking to himself in there at the end of his life? Um, and I don't know what the answer to that is, and I'd actually really like to talk to him about that, because it's, on some level, there is a practicality. You know, the SBC um, publicly, in 1995, apologized for having supported slavery. Well, they did support it, though, so clearly there was a shift, you know? Um, and again, I'm babbling, so... <laughs> I don't know what you think about this. Yeah, they, they do adapt. The, certainly local churches are talking about being LGBT-friendly, and welcoming LGBT people into the churches and I recently attended the Pennsylvania State Counseling Association conference and there were several religious people there who were talking about LGBT issues and being affirming of people in the gay community, LGBT right. people. So there, there is a big uh, transition. Even at the conference they were talking about spirituality and spirituality not being confined to a particular religious belief. They, they outright said that non-believers can find meaning and they, they call that spirituality, which I, th I think is a really confusing term and probably oh, should I've be let go because of all the, all the religious baggage. They're yeah, using exactly. it as another word for meaning. So as you see, there are changes within the tradition, which is likely due to the pressures, due to people disagreeing with the approaches that are taken. There are all sorts of forces, and as you said, they either have to change or they just fall by the wayside. So it, I well, guess it's a good thing I, to see in many ways. Yeah, I mean, because as we've seen, um, I think the Grammys was an excellent example of this. Like, the fact is the culture has shifted. As I am very fond of saying online and, and whatnot, the war is over equality won. Like, it's, it's demonstrable now. State after state after state is falling into the line where they have no choice legally but to reject anti-gay legislation because at some point they simply cannot justify it and and so you know, due, to the, due to the lack of justification legally speaking they have to move in the direction everybody else is going kind of like you know civil rights and, and every other thing that's that's gone down so at some point there will be a point where it is 100 percent socially unacceptable to be what some might call anti-gay or homophobic and unless every church wants to end up like Westboro Baptist, it's going to have to keep, you know, they're going to have to change. And they're going to have to not only do that, but they're going to have to retroactively apologize 
for previous policies. And I actually suggest that in a couple of these cases, maybe the guy that I alluded to, they're not only going to have to change, but they're going to have to say something like, oh, God revealed to me that I was wrong or whatever. Oh, well, did, didn't the Mormon church do that one? Yeah, no. I, yeah, <laughs> you know what's yeah. so funny about that was I... I didn't know a lot about the Mormons until I was in college, and I, I dated one, and I got to be more acquainted with their, their stuff. What surprises me about them is they don't seem to have this um, pretense of, we'll think about this, we'll wait for the Lord to you know, give us guidance. It's the prophet speaks for God, literally. And what he says is coming, like he, he is God's uh, instrument on earth, it is coming through his mouth. Because I think even the Pope says, like, oh, I had to confer with God or something, or like God. And um, what what really surprised me about that when I looked it up was that, yeah, in 1978, they, the prophet said, basically, God revealed to me that this is no longer necessary. And I thought, you know, that to me sounds so much like if I were to stand up on a stage with an earpiece <laughs> and just say, like, uh, I'll answer your question in a second, hold on, and then just go to the other part of the stage and then lean over like, what? <laughs> oh, okay. And come like, oh, okay, so this is what we're now doing. And it's like people would go, you just walked over there. Like, that's all you did. And yet I saw this documentary, I don't remember the name of it, but where they, uh, during a portion of it, they interviewed some students at um, BYU. And, you know, with straight, sincere faces, they said, oh, well, the prophet said it, so it's true. I thought, wow, I can't imagine that level of whatever that is, cognitive dissonance, I'm not sure what they call it, where the pretense isn't even necessary. You know, the window dressing doesn't need to be there. Like, just Bob said it, so hey, there you go. Because um, I feel like even in, in most mainline churches, uh, even if the pastor says, like, the, I don't know if you remember the story where the pastor said that we should round up all the gays and put them behind electric fencing. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like, even he kind of retracted a little bit later. Even he was like, well, I was taken out of context, and I didn't really mean it that way, and I didn't mean it literally. And, and, um, and he also had a little bit of buffer. Like, he, he could always claim, well, I'm a flawed human, and I was doing my best to interpret the word. But in the case of the Mormons, they're like, well, this is what God said. Like, we, we have it written down. He just told us now. So I, I fear that I actually am a bit wrong in my assessment because obviously they have been able to continue, although one would argue maybe in sort of a, uh, a cultish context. But I think definitely in churches that actively interact with mainstream society, as we just said, you know, they're going to have to change. Otherwise, people will just be like, well, I'm not going to go, and, and it'll be over. So uh, who knows? You know, maybe, maybe that'll happen. Um, my, my thing beeped, so uh, we only have a little bit of time left. And uh, we, we took care of the, the main bone. I was kind of hoping for a bit more. I was like, ooh, this will... No, that's not true. <laughs> um, I, I think um, just in, in the last few minutes, I would like to know... Um, I, you've talked about this to me before and, and to other people, but um, in, in the redirecting of your goal of your site, um, do you plan on... I know you're doing the Texas Hold'em stuff, and, and that's that's awesome. It sounds like it's quite enjoyable. Do you mean that you are going to um, not just kind of stay out of the sort of inner turmoil of what's going on in the movement, but also stay away from activism as well? Um, kind of cut back your activities with these pastors and whatnot? Um, I'm just want a little clarity on your goals for not only the immediate future, but the far future. Like, is it going to become JustinVakula.com, the home for Texas Hold'em, 
or is it going to be justinbakula.com, hey, I do this, this, and this? If that yeah, the, the, sec the second one seems to be a better descriptor there. But oh, okay. After doing something for so long, I think it's necessary to take a break. As you get burned out, you get exhausted, you keep doing the same thing over and over again. It doesn't seem to be too much enjoyable. So I, I think taking a bit of a break is a good thing. And every so often, I'll pop in and write a piece about some issue I find important or worth my time addressing. I mean, even recently I wrote a piece about the, this comparison to God as a, a chess master where people say, well, you just can't understand the mind of God. It's like if you were to play chess with the grandmaster and you just wouldn't understand the move because you, you don't have the capacity to think at that level. And right. this is usually used by Christians or people of other religions in response to the problem of natural suffering. Why is it that there are earthquakes, tsunamis, diseases, and all these other things? If God is all-loving, why would he create the universe in such a manner? And that's what they say. You can't understand the mind of God. And I think it's a really flawed comparison to say, oh, well, God is just like a chess master or a military <laughs> general uh, is, is usually the line of apologetics. And this, I, I heard this recently. And it's, it's pretty common, and I think there are a lot of problems with this, this argument. I mean, everyone on the street is going to say, well, yeah, we, we understand that earthquakes, tsunamis, all these other natural disasters are a horrible thing. But if you were to ask people on the street, well, why did Gary Kasparov make that move? You know, people just won't understand. But there are chess masters who can understand and explain that to us. But with with God, first of all, you're assuming that the entity exists, but you don't have the other people who can explain that. It's it's only him, and everybody looking at it is saying, well, hey, this this doesn't seem to be the way that an all-loving being would create the universe. I would do a better job, for instance. Uh, we we think that the world would be better without earthquakes, although yeah. some. <laughs> argue that earthquakes inspire us to do acts of charity and that if we didn't have the bad then we couldn't um, understand the good. I, I think all of these arguments are flawed too. I, I, yeah, agree. I, I chime in I chime in on the issue. I also have um un unconditional love I was writing about. Uh, that that's another bugaboo. There there are just all sorts of different um, <laughs> topics that I bring up on the website, whether it's from a conversation I have with people whether it's uh, an article that happens to be popular at the right. moment, or whether it is Christian anarchist feminists stealing calendars from shopping malls. Uh, that, that, was, that was an interesting story at the end of 2013. <laughs> so I'll, I'll write about whatever I find right. interesting. And yeah, the, the whole you know, thing is my current focus, and I think that's been really cool. It's um, play, playing something I enjoy, making money from it, and then releasing yeah. videos so other people can learn and I can get feedback. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting that you say what you say about it because uh, obviously your audience is much bigger than mine is, um, but I reached a similar conclusion where I was like, you know, I I think I'm just going to engage in my site and what I do on it when I feel like it. And not, because for a while I was trying to do like a post every day and I was trying to do really sub substantive things and I just found it exhausting. And like I said, I wasn't even dealing with what you've been dealing with. Um, I just... Just adding links to stuff, I was like, oh, God, i got to look it up, and i got to copy the thing. And um, The only real tradition that I'm maintaining at this point in terms of just posts uh, that are made out of text is my Random Shit for Fridays, which happen randomly, hence the name. I just was like, oh, it's Friday. I'll just say Random Shit for Friday. I'll just talk about whatever. Um, but beyond that, I, I haven't really, I mean, I have posted recently, but I haven't felt the need to, to do it quite so much, and, and actually, I'm, I'm kind of enjoying that, because I realized a couple of years ago, one of my goals that had emerged 
was to further traffic to my site. And I, I don't actually think that's a good goal. I mean, you know, if you want to make money off the advertising, sure, maybe it is. But um, for me, it was like, well, that's not that's a um, a a pretense of a motivation. It's no, that's there's a better word for it. It's um, it's a contrived motivation. Um, and because it's not really being honest, you, you you might as well just say in your post, I'm posting this to post it. <laughs> you know, because that's effectively what you're doing. So yeah, I, I mean, how much how much can you really write about? Especially, um, well, at least in my case, I've been blogging for years, and yeah. what what more is there to be said? Uh, I could just link an old post and say, oh, here are my thoughts on this matter. I've already <laughs> written about this. Uh, is is so so many things? It's just um, kind of like uh, as people say, Groundhog Day. It's it's the same yeah. thing happening. No, you're I I think you're right, and and I think too, um, you were right earlier when you said a lot of it is reaction. And what will happen? We have no react, nothing to react to, and. And I agree with that. And actually, I, I have definitely found um, in the last couple of years that I almost felt a loss at things to react to. Or and I also felt I, I felt like I was repeating myself. Definitely, I I, I recently posted on uh, Macklemore at the Grammys, you know, doing the song. And I was initially going to write a lot more, but I thought, you know what? How about I just do this? How about I just say, hey, war is over, equality won. This is what I said about it before, and post the video, and then just say, you know, it's it's only a matter of time, and and I didn't feel the need to say anything else. And obviously, that post will not change the world. Um, probably two people have seen it. <laughs> so what I felt the need to do was acknowledge him and what he said. That's that was sort of the end of the obligation that I felt. But once I had done that, I didn't feel the need to write a ten-page long thing with screen caps and shit. I just I was like. This is what I needed to say about it. Um, so it's interesting that you and I have reached similar conclusions about uh, coming from very different places. Um, and two, I, I don't know how you'd feel about this, but I, I have been kind of tempted to write a fact just because um, I feel like I've had the same discussions with people over and over. Like you said the thing about, oh, actually, I think I said the thing about the Big Bang. Like I just had the discussion with someone on Twitter where they were like, "Oh, well, what happened before?" And I was like, oh, "Okay, do we have to do this oh, again?" Oh yeah, yeah. That's that's uh, one thing that when I started blogging was really helpful, and that the same discussions would pop up again and again, and I would just be able to link people. It's like, "Oh, well, here what I th here's what I think about this." And a few days ago, someone said, "Well, what are your thoughts on the cosmological argument?" Which oh. is Big Bang, of course. What are your thoughts on fine tuning? Oh, I've already written about this. It's like, oh, yeah. there you go. Um, I, I don't have to do a whole thing again. And one thing I used to do a lot is get involved in these really, really, really long Facebook discussions that would go right. on and on and on and on and on. <laughs> and I've really distanced myself from that and would just happen to blog about something if I really felt the need to address it rather than getting involved in these really long discussions. And, and sometimes I'll just post things on my Facebook page and then other right. people will get involved in the discussion and have similar viewpoints anyway. Over time, there's a weeding out process that happens, whether people defriend themselves right. or whether... Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Um, well, yeah. you know, what, what, you said, what you said before um, uh, with, with chatting with this pastor, I actually think that is very useful because, and, and this is why, initially I was kind of against the uh, the ham slash nigh debate because I was like, God, do we really need to give a platform for, for creationism? But one conclusion that I've reached about that stuff is that knowledge is always good, information is always good, and so yes, it was at Ken Ham's compound. Yes, it, it paid for the art. Yes, that's all true, and there was one more time where the science was explained. And I think any time the science is explained, even if it is partially to a group who already knows, 
I, I don't think that can ever be a bad thing because the fact is is that even if every single one of the people sitting in that in that audience started by completely being on Cam Kenham's side, they at least heard the information. And even if they denied every last thing about it in their heads, they heard it and they can't unhear it. So even if just one of them goes home and looks up one thing that that Nye said and explores it. And even if they don't lose their faith, even if they don't, if, even if they still conclude evolution is false, that's a process that could not have happened had that debate not occurred. I mean, maybe some other debate could have occurred, and it, it would have led to that. But, but that specific person, that specific debate, and I think that's a great thing because even if the faith doesn't go away, I think science literacy is frankly so much more important. So when you're talking with that passion, you guys are talking about morality. I think that's fantastic because it is bringing your your side to light that people would otherwise not have been aware of. And as you said, um, I don't know if it was today, but I think it was it was yesterday, um, you know, people came up and asked you questions. Like, right. Which is, I think, what happened in the 90s and 2000s with the gay movement is people who didn't know gay people came to know gay people, and suddenly it was like, oh, they're not monsters, they're not deviants, they're, not, they're just, they have kids, and they have families, and they have jobs. They, they, and once that foreign element is taken out of the equation then I think it's much easier for people to at least acknowledge the rights of non-believers and gays and, and whoever else. But it also, it kind of forces you to face your own theology and say, well, wait a minute, this Vakula guy, he doesn't seem evil, but this passage right here says that he is. So how do I reconcile that? And I, I think well, that kind of it, It's the mustache, you see. That's, that's what it is. Oh, that's yeah. Mustache, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? Well, that's... Yeah, that's yeah, I, I, I agree there. At the end of the day, there were people who had their perceptions thrown out the window, and some even admitted it. And they said, well, when I first heard about you, I thought all these bad things, but yeah. now since I took time to listen to what you had to say, and I came here, I've been reading your content. Well, that's, that's great. I mean, that's something that blogging really won't do many times where I can just write on my an site and it's 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 often a preaching to the choir yes. kind of deal which is which is alright and I think has its merits but there's something to be said about getting out on the street and getting in the community and doing the groundwork and having yeah. discussions like this and one thing I'm hoping to do in this year is to have another discussion I, I was talking with um, Pastor Dan and Pastor Brewster from the debate and they said they would be interested in having a roundtable discussion right. about many of these topics. So that that could be something that comes up this year. So it's not it's not only going to be Hold'em in the future. That's for sure. Yeah, no, there, I, there I, are some yeah there are some oh. other issues too that um, are currently being worked on some oh, okay. activism things. But unfortunately, I haven't heard back from organizations, and it's been a while. So we'll we'll see. Um, as you know, what what would be an interview with me if I didn't have uh, metal lyrics? Uh, time and only time will tell us. Right? <laughs> it's uh, from Blind Guardian song, "The Curse of Feanor." Yes, Nightfall, Middle Earth. Uh, you know, Metal so Mondays coming. Than I do. <laughs> <laughs> metal Mondays tomorrow. Um. All right. Well, thanks for having me on. Wait. Hold on. Hold on. Uh, you you forgot the last traditions. Okay. So so. Huh? Even though anyone who sees this probably definitely knows who you are, why don't you go ahead and plug whatever you want to plug? Yeah, you can find my website at justinvacula.com, J-U-S-T-I-N-V-A-C-U-L-A, where you can find links to the Pastor Dan discussion and much more under my Appearances tab at the top of the page, Activism, and Reading Individual Blog Posts. And feel okay, free to connect with me on oh, social networks. Sorry. 
There, there was, <laughs> well, maybe, maybe maybe it was my fault because I was the one saying thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's no, an no, hour fifteen I minutes, mean, but no, oh, you're right. Sorry, I mean, we were definitely <laughs> wrapping up. Um, and for everybody, um, it's atheistasshole.com right down there, and at Anton A Hill on Twitter, and um, and then the Twitter links to uh to my YouTube channel where things like this are posted, but it's just Anton A Hill. So however you construct the URL, YouTube user, etc., Anton A Hill, that's where that is. Um. I want to say one more thing about what you just said, and then we'll go to final word, which is, I, I should have explained earlier, but uh, as you may know, uh, you, it, it can be a word, it can be a sentence, it can be a whole paragraph like fucking Lee Moore said. Um, when I think you're done, I will hit end broadcast, so it will, but we, we'll do that in one second. Uh, I just wanted to reiterate, I think what you just said is, is important, that uh, the blogging and the Facebook stuff isn't as useful as as engaging with people in front of people in a debate or in a roundtable and I think that's what we should all probably seek opportunities to do although that presumes that people will invite people like me to go and do that um, but I, I think I think that point is a good one because I think we often struggle with what should I do and if we go by what I said and what you said and, and it's getting information out there there are much more effective ways to do that than you know, just tweeting shit. So, um, with that, Justin, the final word goes to you, and like I said, I will just cut you off when I think you're done. So, go ahead. It, it can be as easy as reporting a violation to the Freedom From Religion Foundation. <laughs>